know if you can relate to this, but I know as a parent, one of the things that I really love is when my kids come to me and ask questions. Like, I like questions. Now, I don't like the incessant questions. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, constant. But I love those questions that kids ask that uh, just kind of draw you in. You know, they're, they're, they're curious questions. They're, they're questions about the world. They're questions about life. They're questions about uh, even God, you know. And as a pastor and, and, and as a father and a husband, one of the things I love most is when my kids come and ask me questions about God. I just, I, I dig it. It's like, this is so good. And I have just a ready, like the audience is right there, you know, and I get to share. And now some of you, I know if your kids ask you questions about God, you're like, I'm not sure I like that because <laughs> you're not sure if you have the answer. You know what I mean? You're like, I, I, uh, ask pastor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do with this one. But, 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 but there's something about kids asking questions that they're curious about our faith. They're curious about this God that we worship. They're curious about the things that God has done in the past. And part of our job as parents, but not even just parents, part of our job as just people who say that you're a follower of Jesus is that you have an answer, that you have a story to share that can be something that is helpful to people in general. Do you see what I'm getting at? Is that there's something about the stories that we share that really do matter. They, they really do matter. And I wanted to read something. This is really our series verse for the next few weeks. And I, I want to read this to you. It's out, of, it's out of the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. Listen to these words. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. You see the imagery. So he's taken these stones and he's piled them up, these 12 stones. And then it says this, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, look at this phrase, In the future, your children will ask. We're going to come back to that. But I just want you to make a note. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? You know, it's like at some point the kids are going to be like, hey, dad, what's those stones for? You know, or, or, you know, if your kid was a little bit more sophisticated, you know, they talk with good grammar, you know, father. What thou are those stones for? But, it, but the Bible is saying that, that, that they ask. They're asking the question, what are, what are those stones about? And then you kind of go a little bit further in verse 22. It says, then, then you can tell them this is what the Israelites, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. In other words, God parted the Jordan River so that they would cross on dry ground. And he goes on and says, for the Lord your God dried up the river right before their eyes. Like they saw it in real time. And he kept it dry until all were across, just as he did, listen to this, just as he did with the Red Sea when he dried it up until they had all crossed over. Do you see what he did? So he talks about the Jordan, then he talks about the Red Sea. And so he, he's trying to get us to see that God has done these kinds of things before. And part of this stack of stones is to really help draw our attention to a place of remembrance of God's miraculous works, of God's faithfulness in this world. 
And then in verse 24, he tells you why he does it. Listen, he did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear your God forever. In other words, we thrive in the future when we remember the past. See, see what I'm getting at? We, we actually thrive in our future. We thrive even in the present when we remember the past. And again, I'm not saying that you remember the past in the sense of like all the bad things that have happened. I'm talking about that we remember the past workings of God that point to a consistent faithfulness that God has given to us as his children. That, my friends, is important. To know that we know that we know that God has worked in so many ways in the past and we have to usher those things into our present and into our future if we're ever going to fully be able to live into this abundant life that Jesus calls us to. And so each week of this series, I'm going to be interviewing some people. And so I'm excited to be able to interview uh, Pam and Steve today. Uh, part, of, part of these interviews, and yeah, go ahead and come up. Part of these interviews is, is that we would take a moment and hear the stories of God's faithfulness. Hear the stories of God's faithfulness from people who have lived a little longer, who have had a few more experiences than maybe we have, um, or maybe you're right on par. Either way, there's something about being able to listen and hear the stories from people who have had amazing encounters with God. I'm losing my notes here. And so thank you, Pam and Steve, for coming. I'm so uh, blessed to have you with me. You may or may not know this, but Pam and Steve are my uh, parents-in-laws. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, I am honored and blessed to be a part of their family, and they, they are an amazing uh, couple, and God has done some amazing things in their life uh, over the years. And I think one of the things that we've lost in our world today is that we're not necessarily investigating what the generations before us uh, have experienced with God. And so what I hope happens in this series is that the generations kind of come together and that we hear the stories of God. And so what I'm going to do is interview them, and I'm going to interview some other people as we go throughout this series so that we might be able to hear just how faithful God has been. And I'm going to talk to you about why that's important through this series. And so uh, let's go ahead and welcome Pam and Steve. And so thank you for being here. Um, so Pam, you guys have had a relationship with God for a while. I know your story, and uh, so I'd love just kind of let the audience know um, just a little bit about how that became real for you. I'm very blessed to have been raised in a Christian home. Um, generations of Christians who believed in God, who shared their faith, who were active in churches, and my mother tells me that I was four five when I made that that step of faith that childlike decision that yes I need Jesus having heard in Sunday school and at home um, and continued in church 
but it was when I was in junior high, even in high school, that I began to hear testimonies of people who've had this remarkable change, mm -hmm. who had this time when they accepted Jesus, their lives totally turned around and they became different. Yeah. And it wasn't quite that way because I'd grown into it, and not that I didn't need him, not that I hadn't sinned, I understood that. But I was on a mission trip in Mexico, and if I had time, I would tell you of all the wonderful opportunities that God has given me to serve. But I was on a mission trip in Mexico, and again, this thought came in my mind that I really wanted a point of time when I could say, yes, this is when I gave my life to Christ. And I had a very wise leader who didn't try and go back and figure it all out for me, who just said, let's pray tonight. And I remember so well, it was on the balcony of this lovely place where we were staying in Monterey, Mexico. And together we prayed and said, yes, Lord, I want you to be in my life. He has been all these years. Yeah. That's so good because some of you have, were raised in the church, you know, and so like you can't, you don't even have a memory of where that wasn't a part of your life. And, and, and I love what she's saying about how there was a moment where she grabbed hold of it for herself because, you know, you can be raised around it and it not be yours. And so what, what, what's great about that story is there was a moment in her high school years that where she grabbed hold of it and said, this is my faith now. And it marked her in that moment. So, Steve, tell me a little bit about your story of how you came to faith in Christ. My, mine's a little different. <laughs> I was in sixth grade. I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois, home of Wheaton College and the Billy Graham Center. It's referred to as the buckle of the Bible belt. I went to the same church Billy Graham did, but not at the same time. <laughs> I was in sixth grade, and I wasn't paying much attention to what the teacher was talking about. And at the end of the class, she asked, how many people are not Christians? Or have, how, who would like to become a Christian? And I thought to myself, oh, she's asking who, who, would, who is a Christian? So I raised my hand. Mm. And so I went, met with her after class, and she sat down and started talking about the steps I should take to become a Christian. And I thought to myself, you know, I really had never done this. <laughs> I just assumed you know, by osmosis or something, I'm a Christian. So we met together and we prayed over it. And so that was my first experience of realizing that Christ was my Savior. Wow. So you stumbled into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, ba I backed into it, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start using that with you guys. How many of y'all are Christians? And you put your hands up and say, meet me after class. <laughs> That's good. Well, part of the reason I wanted to interview you guys was to allow people to hear some of the stories that you would tell about God's faithfulness in your life. Um, and, and so would you guys mind just maybe sharing a story or two about just where you've seen God in the past? Well, I'll try to be brief, but to me this is very interesting timing because um, I'm a saver. I my poor girls, they're going to have to figure this out someday, but I have boxes and boxes of things that I have saved through my life. Mm. Um, memories from mission trips, notes that parents wrote us when we worked with youth group kids, 
little tidbits that I picked up at sermons or at a conference, and I've been going through that, mm. trying to call it out. And I think my pile of stones would be <laughs> quite large. And wow. I just thank God for all of that. But I will share one that is particularly special to me. It was one of my first mission trips to Mexico. I grew up in Southern California, so we would often go to a town on the California side, and then we would drive across during the day and would meet in homes or churches. And one of the first times we went down there, not knowing a whole lot about how to do all this, mm -hmm. we drove into a little community and stopped at the first house we saw and asked where the Christians lived. <laughs> and I thought, first of all, to myself, if somebody drove into my neighborhood and asked where the Christians lived, would they know? Huh. Would it be that obvious? It's good. The second thing is, yes, they did know. And they directed us to that house. And those people opened their home. Actually, they opened their front yard brought out their guitars, and we began to sing and share scripture and praise God. Hmm. I didn't know a lot of Spanish. They didn't know a lot of English, but that didn't matter. We were all part of the family of God, and that was probably hmm. the first time that I realized how big God is, hmm. how vast this is. And there's this wonderful verse in Revelation, well, many, but when we all get there, and there's people from every tribe and every nation yes. and every language, and we'll be worshiping together. Mm. And all of these times in other cultures and worshiping wherever is just a little tidbit of what heaven's mm. going to be like. Mm. That's good. Tell, t finish that story because you, you mentioned driving home. Oh, yes. Yes, I got carried away. Driving home um, from that same experience... Oh, by the way, they had given us a chicken because they thought that was how that was how they wanted to say thank you. So we're a station wagon full of high school kids with two liters and a chicken <laughs> trying to figure out this whole, you know, new God experience. And it was a beautiful, clear night. Coming from Southern California where it's smoggy all the time, it was really an amazing thing, mm. just that, to see the stars to be out in the open. And we sang the great hymn, How Great Thou Art. And I've said that I hope everybody knows that. We don't sing that very often, but about our amazing God, mm. about his creation, but most of all about his love for us and sending his son mm. and the whole process of that. And obviously you can tell there's not a, all lot of things from way back then that are yeah. in there, but that was one of those very, very special God times. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Steve, how about you? What's a story you might share about how God's been faithful in the past? How and why I am here today with my story. Flashback to my senior year in high school, 1963. Looking for a college to go to, not having much luck. Not only wasn't I a very good student, I was in a private school that was full of National Honor Society members, so my class ranking was low. <laughs> <laughs> Wheaton is the home of Wheaton College, and during the basketball season, 
Wheaton College is playing Whitworth College from Spokane, Washington. The coach of Whitworth was a, was a Wheaton grad and asked and, and knew I was looking for some sort of a college. He came over to our house after the basketball game to talk to me and my parents. And four years later, I graduated from Whitworth College in Spokane, Washington. During my stay at Whitworth, I met two sisters from St. Paul, Minnesota. Their dad was the director of the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul. Not only did they work with men, they also had three boys clubs, two, three girls clubs, and a summer camp for kids on the St. Croix River. The St. Croix River is the dividing line between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I wasn't much interested in working with the men, but I was interested in the summer camp. <laughs> I've been working summers at Honey Rock Camp in the Eagle, in the Eagle River, in Eagle River, Wisconsin, all through high school and college. So after graduation, I drove my 56 Ford sedan to St. Paul, Minnesota, and began program director at Camp Kiwanis a camp on the St. Croix River. The end of the season, the director of the mission, Harold Mord, asked what I was going to do in the fall. I told, I told him I had been drafted and was going to report to, in September to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri <laughs> to join the armed forces. He asked if he could get me out of the army, would I stay and work in one of the boys clubs? A no-brainer, I said. I was willing to go, but I wasn't thrilled. He was able to get me into deferment somehow to be athletic director of the Ober Boys Club. After about two months, the director quit and I was now the boss. One of my first friends at the mission was Paul Smith, the mission's bookkeeper. One day he and I were out for a drive in his convertible. We were going to pick up his girlfriend. I went along. We went to pick up Sally, who was sitting on a park bench across from the mission. As we drove up, I saw she was not alone. With her was Pam, and the rest is history. Fifty years later, here we are. And God continued to guide us all along the way. Wow, that's so good. Fifty years, isn't that amazing? Um, and it's such a it's a, such an amazing thing because uh, their their story uh, of God's faithfulness, their faithfulness to one another, uh, is something that Gretchen and I get to be a part of. We're grafted into that. Um, my kids get to be a part of a family like this, and their kids, and 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 so there's such a rich heritage here of God's faithfulness and all that he's done. And, and so I highlight that because there's so much good there. And sometimes we forget some of that stuff. Um, and so, Pam, tell me a little bit about, like, I know you've kind of, you were preparing for this time, and, and uh, one of the things I was going to ask is just about where do you see God working, you know, kind of currently? Uh, how do you see him being faithful? As I said, I went through years and years and boxes and boxes of memories of God's faithfulness. 
and came to this question and had to think about it, which made me feel like, you know, what's going on? But it didn't take very long. And we began to write down the blessings that God has given us, how we have seen him still acting in our lives. Mm. And the evidence of that is the fact that we are sitting here, that we're in the church, that our daughter and son-in-law pastor, that we get to watch our grandkids grow in the Lord, meet many of you people, and are in a small way ministering in this city of St. Louis that so desperately needs, needs believers. Not that Minnesota didn't, I'm not saying that, but to see how God brought us here. Yeah. And it was a big deal, because I don't like change. And I had a lot of boxes to move. <laughs> there, there's a lot of truth to she that. She still has all those boxes. <laughs> yeah. And if you know anything about Minnesotans, they don't ever leave Minnesota. Like they're very, they love Minnesota and they love being Minnesotans. And the fact that they're here is a testimony of God's faithfulness. Um, and even just their commitment to be the kinds of parents and grandparents that they feel called to be. Um, and it's such a blessing to us as a, as a family. Um, now, I know that there are some people out here that they may just kind of be hanging on, you know. Uh, maybe you're at a point where you're not sure that you believe God's faithful. You know, maybe you've been through some things that you're just not uh, really sure of that. And so what I, I wanted to ask you guys is if you could speak to anybody that maybe is just kind of hanging on. They're struggling. They're not sure. Uh, what might you say to them as a word of encouragement? Well, I wrote down a couple of things. Um, Find someone you can talk to and the bleeds God is working in them with their lives and talk about that. Read the Bible. Praise and worship. Become a church member. Those kind of things I think would be very helpful. That's good. You can't do it on your own. Mm, that's really good. How about you, Pam? I thought a lot about the word faith. Um, when we did one of our introductions at Elevation, and we filled out the survey, and it told what your gifts might be. Mm. I scored high in faith, and, and it kind of was a surprise to me, and I don't know why, <laughs> but that it was a specific, you know, specifically written out specific questions. And I have really tried to build on that, mm. tried to just honestly believe God is faithful, that God loves me. Not to say that I'm not a worrier and get anxious and all of that stuff that I know I have to work on. But faith is a gift, it says in the Bible, but it also says that we can ask for it. Hmm. The story of Jesus talking to the man who brought his son to be healed, yeah. and Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right. How much we can continue to grow our faith and that's the things we talked about, yeah. um, finding people that you can talk to and share with. Uh, reading the scriptures, and especially, I just love the miracle stories. They go on and mm -hmm. on and yeah. on in the Bible about how God has worked. Mm -hmm. And he does still do miracles today. Yes. We need to look for that and mm -hmm. to accept that. 
And we've been very blessed in our lives. It's not that we haven't had some of these huge struggles that people have, but we have the same God. Yeah. And good. no matter what you're going through, work to grow your faith hmm. through hymns, through the scriptures, through others. That's good. Well, thank you guys so much for being, taking some time with us. Give them a hand, please. You know, I, I'm just so blessed by that. And if that was an encouragement to you, um, I hope it was. Um, I will encourage you to come back uh, over the next few weeks because uh, we're going to continue to do some interviews of other people as well. Um, and, and, and let me kind of just break it down for you in a nutshell. The, the reason I want you to see that is because this is one couple. One couple that has a treasure trove of experiences with God that lead us to believe that God is who he says he is. And sometimes what happens is we read the Bible and we have this disconnect. It's, well, it's the Bible. It's, you know, that stuff happened a long time ago. And we lose sight of the fact that God is still working today. And, and, and if you were asked to write a letter that maybe made its way to the scripture, which it probably won't, that maybe you would write a letter that could lead to someone's faith being strengthened because of the stories you would tell of what God has done. You see what I'm getting at? And so this whole series is about us pausing for a moment and coming back to this reality that God is not only working, or God has not only worked in the past, but that God is working today. And it's so important that we see this because this is the very thing that's going to help when we're having hard times. When, see, when you're having a hard time, you don't need someone to come and make it worse. Right? You don't want Job's friends to show up. You want somebody to show up that has something in them that they then can impart to you that allows you to have this lifeline to get out of whatever pitch you're in. You know, I always think about the stories of God as like, you know, you ever remember those wall things you would climb and you'd put the pegs and you would climb up these, you know, maybe you did. I don't know. But when I was in school, they had this big wall thing and you'd put these pegs. And I think of the faithfulness of God and the stories that people uh, tell us as those pegs. And they help us climb. Because it's, it's an encouragement to our soul. And so what I want to do for just a moment is unpack that idea a little bit today. That, 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 that hearing these stories and knowing about the past and knowing about what God has done in the past is so vital to us being successful today and in the future. Because if you notice in this passage of scripture I read earlier, do you notice it just simply says, in the future the children will ask. That's a pretty important piece. That, in other words, that there's a some point where the children are going to look at the rocks or they're going to see something, they're going to hear something, and they're going to ask the question. They're going to be like, so tell me about that, right? So tell me about the, what these stones are about. Tell me what that Bible's for. Tell me what that book is about. Tell me what the whole box of stuff that Pam had, 
right? Tell me about that so that I might know. And, and, and there's this, I didn't mention this in the last service, but uh, Pam's mother, her name was Svea. My daughter's name is Svea. So we named our daughter after Pam's mom. And Pam's mom was a strong woman of faith, but she had these like uh, little scripture cards. And they're like old scripture cards, you know, and worn out. And, 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 and Gretchen actually has those, you know. And it, so what's happened is like in those scripture cards is a point of drawing you back to something that existed. It, it draws you back to the fact that that her grandmother was such a strong woman of faith. Um, and, and, and it leads to what? It leads to something. And see, that's why God is trying to get us to see that not only do we need to remember, not only do we need to be telling the stories, but that we also need to make sure that the kids are hearing it. That the kids are hearing the stories. Because I don't know about you, but something I've been contemplating lately is I'm not sure the kids are asking like they used to. I, you know, that's my hypothesis for you today. Is are, are the kids asking like they used to? Are they asking the questions about what God has done? And like I said earlier, one of the things I love most is when my kids come to me and ask, Daddy, tell me about this. You know, why did they do that? <laughs> God, like, why did they do this in the scripture, Father? You know, I mean, you, know, you get, it's like there's this part of me that just loves to be able to answer those questions. But I'm not so sure that people are asking. As a matter of fact, the data seems to indicate that children aren't asking like they used to. That's the scary thing. That kids and teens today aren't asking like they used to. And I'll just share some of this data with you. This comes from a report from One Hope. It's an organization that we support. Uh, and they do amazing work all over the globe working with children and teenagers. But, but, but they came out with this global youth kind of culture report. And here are just a few data points I'll share with you. Just, just stay with me. Don't gloss over. These are important. Over half or 52% of teens globally say that they never read religious scripture on their own. Over half, 52%. Over half, 52% of teens believe all religions teach equally valid truths. Listen to this. Christians are just as likely as non-believers to agree with that or to say that same thing. Let me see if I can back up for you. So what they're saying is that a believer or a non-believer are coming to the same conclusion about that faith. That 52% of teens believe that all religions teach equally valid truths. That's, guys, that should concern us. That should wake us up to something. That should make us wonder like, oh, wow, what's going on there? Two in three teens globally say their faith, beliefs, or spiritual journey are an important, are an important part of their identity. I think that's good news. But there's like, okay, this is an important part of my identity. Teens who don't go to church report that they are open to attending if invited, right? We see that with teens. We see that with adults. Part of the reason we ask you to invite your friends on Easter is because if you invite them, they may come. But then it gets a little deeper. 
43% of teens surveyed self-identified as Christians. Okay, so 43% of teens globally identified as Christian. Now, here's the thing. This is the scarier one. Only 7% displayed the beliefs and habits of a committed Christian. Get this. 43% survey say, yes, I'm a Christian. Only 7% actually demonstrated the traits of what a committed Christian might look like. And if you're like, well, what's that? Well, here it is. I'll give you six. Here are six things that identify you as a committed Christian. Here's one. Believe God exists and they can have a personal relationship with him. That's one. Number two, pray at least weekly. So they're praying at least weekly. Read scripture on their own at least weekly. Believe Jesus is the son of God. Number five, believe that forgiveness of sins is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. And then finally, number six, believe the Bible is God's word. Now, that's pretty straightforward. You know, six things, do this, do that. Here it is. This is what it means. 7% of that 43 are actually doing those six things. Here's a question I have for you. Do you believe the six things? Do you practice the six things? Is that a part of your life? Is that a part of your journey? Is that a part of what you do in your home? Because, see, you can't teach what you don't know. Here's the point I'm getting at. Is that maybe one of the reasons the kids aren't asking is that we're not telling the stories. Like, maybe, maybe it's not just their fault. Because you know what I mean. Like, you know how you ever, you ever got in this kind of place where you're like, ah, oh, these kids today. The, the, these teenagers are out of control. I'm sure none of you have ever said that. You watch the news and you're like, what's wrong with these people? Right? I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's more complicated than that. I wonder if parents, elders, leaders that have been through it have a responsibility to not just say, yeah, y'all are screwed up, but to begin to tell the stories again. Okay, so the kids aren't asking. So start to tell the story anyway. When was the last time you took somebody to coffee, a younger person, and just said, hey, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what God's done in my life. Matter of fact, I got six points I'm going to share with you today in Jesus' name. Get a pen. When was the last time you shared that story? Because here's the thing I was thinking about, is maybe sometimes the reason the kids aren't asking, maybe even in your home, the reason the kids aren't asking is that you're just not telling the stories. You're not talking enough about it. You're not bringing them to the place where they are curious. It never gets mentioned other than rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. The only time God gets shared sometimes in our homes. And let me just say this. It is not my job as your pastor to raise your kids. My job is to help you, equip you, so that you can be the parents that you're called to be. 
My job is to give you the word of God so that you can rightly apply it in the places that God has given you dominion. And so as a parent, as an elder, as a grandparent, your job is to tell the stories. And even if the kids aren't asking, your job is to continue to tell the stories. Because, see, that's what we need. We need to start sharing the story. We need to start talking about God's faithfulness. We need to start sharing it with everybody that we possibly can. Coming back to the series verse, listen. Then you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan, right? It was dry ground. They crossed the Jordan. Then he compares it to the Red Sea. Same thing happened. Happened at Jordan. Happened at the Red Sea. All of this is true. Check out that miracle. All for a purpose of giving glory to God and making sure that people understood that our God is powerful and he's more than able to do anything he wants in this world at any point. And that's true for your life. That's true for your circumstance. That's true for anything that you're going through today because that's what we need to hear, isn't it? Like when you're going through it, you need somebody to stand up. You don't need somebody to join in and just kind of go with you. And you guys just become a big Eeyore club. You need somebody to stand up. When things are going bad, you need somebody to stand up and say, hey, 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 I got something to share. Like when you're going, when you're going through a pandemic, you need somebody to show up and say, hey, we've been through pandemics before. God's been here before. Hey, when somebody's going through an election, come on. We've been here before. And God's always been faithful. You see where I'm getting at? There's something about somebody just finally standing up and saying, yeah, 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 I know. I know it's hard. And I know that your feelings are hurt. And I know that your emotions are coming after you. And all of your senses are all over the place. But God is still faithful. He's been faithful. And he'll continue to be faithful. See, that's what we've got to see. That's why we need to hear from Pam and Steve. That's why we need to hear from some of y'all. And some of you are not sharing the story. I don't know why. But we're not telling the stories like we used to. And I believe that if we would just fall in love again with our miracle-making God. Matter of fact, I'll say this. If you're not enamored with your God right now, then you got a problem. And that doesn't mean you're bad. It just means your heart needs to get right in line again. God still loves you. I still love you. But if you're not excited about the Lord and what God has done in your life over the last however many years, then you need to get buckled in and say, Lord, I'm sitting here until you show up because I need to hear from you today. Don't just keep walking through life like a zombie. Get a hold of the God that does miracles. Man, he, he parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan. He, he fed the 5,000. He, he raised his son from the dead. Do you realize that's the God you serve? And so some of us need to like, what's that thing called the deep fib? Pow! What's that thing you, when someone's having a heart attack? Yes, that's what some of us need. I'm going to do a spiritual pow! To where you just like, bam, you come out of it. And you're like, yes, I'm setting up three appointments today. <laughs> and I'm going to share what God's done. See, if he did it before, he'll do it again.
right? If he did it before, he'll do it again. And time and time again, we've seen him be faithful. Oh, he's so faithful to us. And so why don't we just spend a little time looking at what God's done? You know, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you just sat down and wrote out how God has been faithful to you? Matter of fact, I'll challenge you to do this. So over the last year, COVID, all kinds of craziness happens, right? If you could simply take 30 minutes of your day and reflect on how God was faithful to you. Because see, what happens is we get focused on the bad, don't we? What we've lost. Matter of fact, I think when we focus on the loss, what happens is it, becomes a, it can become a bondage to us because that's what we're seeing. And we don't see what's, what, what God's doing because we only see the loss. And if you just took a few minutes and wrote down, I'd be curious to find how many things you could come up with of where you've seen God be faithful, of where you just need to stop and remember that you need to set up 12 stones, you know? You just need to set up some stones in your life to say, yep, God was there. And yep, God was there. And yep, God was there. And then you start saying to your kids, hey, this is where God was. This is where God was. This is where God is. This is, you know, and you start just pointing it out as you go. You start being who you're supposed to be. You are a follower of Jesus. And that means you have personal experiences with God that you then are able to share with everybody around you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those four, five, six things, whatever you come up with, and I want you to write them on a social media platform, okay? And see what happens. Like, instead of giving your opinion, give something that actually adds value. Because I think sometimes we think our opinions are way too important than telling the stories of God's faithfulness. I'd be curious to see what kind of interactions and things that come out of that. But do that this week. Just see what happens. Just begin to share about God's faithfulness. Because, see, God wants to do a work in you. Set up an appointment with someone younger than you and share about what God's done. Matter of fact, some of you younger people, set up an appointment with someone older than you and ask them what God's done. Begin to just be curious. And what you'll find is your faith will rise. The fear will leave. And you'll want to worship a God that's so good, so active, so on time. See, that's what's going to happen if you'll do it. And so my heart, as we continue through this series, is that we would begin to remember, that we would remember those piles of stones, those, those, those things that God has done that are going to lead us into the future, that are going to strengthen us for today. And so as we press in, let's tell stories. Let's tell the stories of God. And I think what you'll see is not only will God be glorified, but like the Bible says, all nations will know. All nations will know our God's power. All nations will come to revere the Lord that we worship, the God that we worship. They'll come to revere him. You know what that means? They'll come to worship him. And that's the goal. The goal, Jesus is not about self-help, though he helps you. Jesus is about glory. Jesus is about the world worshiping him. Sometimes we forget 
that it's just about me. No, it's not. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about all people worshiping. It's about Re Revelations 21 that all tribes from all places, all different tongues and colors and backgrounds will someday stand before the throne of God and they will worship God for who he is. That's what it's about. Woo! That's what it's about, my friends. I hope you want some of that. I hope you'll press in during this series and just begin to remember all of the things that God's done and just share it with everybody you possibly can because our world needs it. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Our world needs it. And so let's do our job as Christians. Let's do that. God, I praise you for today. I thank you for each person in this room and for everything that you're doing and stirring up in this place. Father, I ask for the person in the room that maybe has gotten tired They've maybe not been as enamored with you as they should be. Father, they, maybe they've just gotten worn out. I pray, God, for a fresh wind, a fresh move of your spirit in their spirit right now. Just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need greater faith in this moment. Lord, I need a touch from you. I need you to renew some things in me that have gotten really messed up. I love you, God. And I'm sorry that I've allowed that to happen, but Lord, would you fill me today? Just tell him, just say, God, I need you to fill me today. I need your presence today. I need you to remind me again of your faithfulness today. I'm sorry, God, for letting things of this world get in the way. Come, Holy Spirit, and stir in me again the passion and the love that I had for you at the beginning. I want to pray specifically for anybody here that as I was talking today, you would say, I don't have those stories. That's not my story. I don't know about those stories. I don't even, I'm not even sure I know the God you're talking about. And so what I want to do is I just want to lead you in a prayer. Because see, the Bible says that if you would simply reach out in faith to a God that loves you, he would come in and save you and fill you with the spirit of God so that you can live into the things that he wants you to live into. So, so if you're here today and you say, that's not my story, I, but I need it, I want it. I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And so church, we're all going to pray together. No one's praying alone. But if this is you, I just want you to repeat this prayer as well. That it's just a statement of faith. Just repeat these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I need a savior. I can't save myself. Will you forgive me of my sins? God, I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today?